Okay, let's pray for our next entry on the kingdom of God. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you, Father, with reverence and awe. We don't come before you in cavalier fashion, making jokes and just joking about the things of God, Lord. The price was too high for that. And so, Lord, we don't come with complete sobriety. We come with a a, a joy that's always bubbling in our hearts, knowing we're going to hear from God. And so, Father, I pray for myself. Lord, help me. I'm just a fallen man like everybody else in this room, and I need your help to articulate divine things. Apart from your help, it's impossible. I I don't have enough reasonable faculties uh, to be able to articulate these things. But with the help of the Holy Spirit, I can speak of the divine things, and the people could be edified and built up and leave here encouraged, which is our goal. And then, of course, you would be glorified. We give you thanks for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We are talking about the kingdom of God. And uh, you may ask yourself, you know, we've heard about the kingdom of God ever since this church was founded. Why are you teaching on it again? It's because we forget. We tend to give our interest to lesser things. When the Bible says clearly in Matthew chapter 6, seek first as a priority the kingdom of God And all of its righteousness, meaning all of its ways, the ways of the kingdom, and these things will be added to you. We get into tangential little avenues, and the culture is always pressuring us to give into that and study this and march on that and do this. And we forget that there's a kingdom that we have a loyalty to. First, before our culture. And so that's why we're teaching on this. Secondly, the concept of the kingdom of God frames structure. It will be impossible for you to understand the story of the scriptures. It will be impossible for you to understand Jesus if you extract him from the kingdom of God. My goodness, that was his main message. The kingdom of God is being established through me is what he was proclaiming. Now the kingdom we learned last week, it's always been here. God's always been king. Jesus was established and placed as God's king over heaven and earth. But the kingdom has always been a reality. And it's always created a tension in the world. While the world says, basically their motto and their cry is from sound two, we will not have this man rule over us. So we'll make up our own laws, our own ways, and we won't even pay attention to God. And that's how you get in trouble with the king. Psalm 103 verse 19 says this, along with the kingdom of God, the other concept is the concept of covenant. And the third concept is God's purpose. What is he doing? So when you're reading your Bible, you're reading about one of three things. You're reading about the kingdom of God, or you're reading about the covenant of God, or you're reading about the Son and his purposes. Why did God send his Son? What is he doing? What is he after? What, is, what does he want? What is he trying to accomplish? Because guess what? You're part of it. Whether you feel like it or like it or not, you've been drafted into this kingdom. I don't like that drafted thing. I like to, I, I want to think that maybe I had a choice in this. You didn't. He said, I want you and you're in. And so rather than struggle with these things, the way to be blessed in the kingdom of God is to simply cooperate and obey the king. And it will go well with you. Parents, can you underscore that for me? How does it go well with your children? If they just cooperate and obey, there won't be any Negative consequences. Agreed? Okay, then. So, 
Psalm 103 verse 19 says this, he, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over the spiritual realm. His kingdom rules over all, material and non-material, principalities and powers, rulers and authorities. He rules over all and always has. We proclaim it, we believe it, we sing about it, we tell others this truth. But, be honest now, do you sometimes struggle with this concept of the kingdom of God and Jesus rules over all when it doesn't look like God is in control. Am I the only one, you think? Okay, then. We struggle because we see all the problems, all the things that are going on, the strife, the poverty, the disease, the on and on I could go, the riots, the political struggles, abortion, Marxism over three quarters of the world, unrest. All these things are upon us all the time. And it would be just like the devil to get you to question the reality of some of the things we're talking about. We're not talking about a triumphalism here. Where we just say, oh, we cheer Jesus every Sunday and then we just slink back into the world and apologize for the condition of the world. When the, when the non-Christians ask, where's God in all this? And we feel a little embarrassed sometimes that we just came from a hallelujah meeting. When we know as soon as we step out that door, we're going to encounter all these things. Do I have the right audience? Are you the right people to address? Okay, then. Now, in the Bible, there isn't a single perfect reason to give for our God reigns. It's just simply what the scripture says. And we're not called to give an apologetic for God, an apology for God for the situation that the world's in. What we have to understand in this lesson it is how does God govern his world? We say he's Lord, and we certainly understand that that's, of course, true. But how does he govern? How does he wield his sovereign power? He's different than all earthly kings in this respect. All earthly kings, as soon as they get that crown on their head and they ascend that Little throne boy, they just become powerful and they tell people what to do and they go do this and they start that and stop that and do all kinds of stuff, all themselves. But what, what way has God chosen to govern, which will give us some answer as to why there seems to be such a disparity between what's actually happening outside and the proclamation that God reigns? Well, we'll take you through it slowly, but it starts with Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 28. After God created, he took the first humans, and it says there, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over all the livestock, ready, and over all the earth. So immediately God creates and he's the king because we, we learned last week he's the king because he created. He's the king because he's the Lord. And he has a creatorial right over everything that he's created. And no sooner does he get done with creation, he says, great, I'm the great king. Now I'm delegating my authority to my image bearers. What king does that? 
Give me one single human king that you're aware of that delegates authority to somebody else to exercise his sovereignty. I mean, Elizabeth won't even give it to Charles and they're both heading for the grave. They hold on to that power, don't they? But, but God is a different kind of king. The earth he's given to the sons of men. Well, I don't like this teaching because I, I just want Jesus to just show up and change it all. Well, he's got a different strategy than you. And he's not a man like you. Well, if I seized power, I would do this and think, well, it's a good thing you're not God. Psalm 8 reflects this very thought, verses 4 and 6. What is man, the psalmist asked, that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Verse 6, you have given him dominion over the works of your hands, and you have put all things under his feet. Oh, stop this teaching. I can't take it. Do you mean man is in control of the earth? That's the arrangement. Now you're beginning to see why we're in such a mess. <laughs> it's man to whom God has entrusted his rule. Is he out of his mind? The greatest risk that, that anybody could ever, you, you know, taking a risk to go to Six Flags on, you know, what's that neck-breaking one? Mr. Freeze. Do they even have that anymore? Yeah. I didn't go to Six Flags yesterday and I threw up. <laughs> but man was created on God's behalf to rule the earth realm on God's behalf to bring him glory as perfect image bearers so God would say you listen to Adam you don't need to come to me because he bears my image perfectly Adam will name the animals and Adam will sort out the garden Adam will Work under me as a king of kings. Man was designed to serve in a royal office for God's glory. That was his estate. That's why he was created. How perfect the garden was. Perfect relationship with our king. Perfect grace for humans to rule perfectly. No mixed motives. All human kingship glorifies the absolute monarch, the king of kings. Had there been no sin, the progeny would have gone on. What are we supposed to do today, Dad? Glorify the Father through every action you have. Yes, sir. That would have been the history of the earth. But what happened? We know what happened. A snake got in the garden. Every time a snake gets in the garden, there's problems. The snake says to the created man, what are you working for him for? Be your own boss. Uh, does this sound familiar, by the way? Be your own boss. Work for your own glory. Be the king of your own kingdom. You're getting quiet on me. Lie hasn't changed, has it ever? A snake's not creative. He's a created being. He's pretty limited. Keeps using the same techniques over and over and over. We lived in California for five years, and I had to laugh every time I went to a restaurant. Um, I'm meeting here. I said, son, how long have you worked here? I've worked here about three years now. But this isn't my job. This is, I'm just, this is what I'm doing just to pay the rent right now. Because I have a screenplay in my pocket. And I'm going to meet a producer. And we're going to, yeah. 
Hollywood's gotten you, hasn't it, son? And they're waiting for that one shot out of one billion. It's a tragedy, a waste of life. So what happened? Adam believed him, and Adam cons uh, committed high treason, royal rebellion. It's called sin. And God, the absolute monarch, brought a judgment on the man, curse for his rebellion, on the snake, curse for his inciting the rebellion. And the poor innocent earth, Romans 8, cursed because its king is absent and cursed. Now, I might sound a little bit trite. I know there's a lot of complex issues, but I'm going to state this just from my position as an amateur theologian, a, a student of God's word. All the problems on the earth are a result of a rebellious king. Sin has ruined paradise. Adam threw paradise away, and we've been searching for it ever since. Every system of government, every form of governing the earth has a utopian concept in mind. But they can't do it because we live under the curse. You will never find the perfect society, perfect justice, perfect righteousness through fallen kings. You'll never find it. So the search is to know a fact. So the effort to make that happen is null and void. Because until the fullness of the kingdom comes, you will not see perfect righteousness and perfect justice. Is everybody all right? Okay. Fallen man does not have the capacity to bring about perfect justice or righteousness. Or we can address some things, but don't put your hope on the wrong horse. Bet on God every time. What happens is, because of our rebellion, we're a lot like Ethiopia. It's an African nation. Think about it for a minute. It's on the east of Africa, east side of Africa, about a bit central east. There is a region right next to it is Somalia. You've heard of Somalia? Right on the coast. There is a region inside of Ethiopia that is full of Somalis, right on the edge of their of their kingdom, Ethiopia. The Somalis live in total rebellion constantly against the Ethiopian government. Every law that comes from Addis Ababa, which is the capital, they reject. Any authority who comes into their region to bring some kind of issue governmentally is beaten and thrown out of the Somali region. They will not recognize the currency of, of Ethiopia. They have their own currency. They have their own system of government. They have their own system of justice. And we're like Somalia when we think of the kingdom of God. Humans have disrespected God's authority and turned our world into the Somali region. We'll do it without you. We won't recognize that there's a government that's over us. That's the story of the prodigal. Have you ever thought of the prodigal in terms of kingdom terms? We're like the prodigal. 
until you come to your senses and say, wow, there really is a kingdom. I'm going to submit to it. The prodigal. He said, I want my kingdom now. I want you to give me the resources for my kingdom. I don't want to serve you anymore. That's in essence what he's saying. I don't want to live in your house. I don't want to live by your rules. I want to try something else. I want to be my own man. I want to discover me. <laughs> I don't want to work in my dad's business. I don't want to stay in that same old church where my parents are. I'm going to be free. I'm going to be my own self. The sin perpetuates in so many different expressions. It breaks my heart, having been raised Italian-American, that most American kids, the first thing they think of when they graduate is, I got to get out of here. I got to go. Where did you get that? I'm not being funny or anything. I'm just saying, why don't you stay with your parents? Those, you work so hard on trusting people. You're going to go out with strangers now? You work all your life in building trust, and then suddenly, poof, you go off. And I don't. Just consider that it might be, the source might be Adam's sin that causes that wandering spirit. I'm not saying you've got to stay. But what I am saying is, watch your attitude. Because that comes from the source. And it's needful to be recognized. Okay. For us, my grandpa came to me when I was 12 years old. As soon as I got out of grade school, 12 years old, Saturday morning, I'll never forget it. Back before 5.30 a.m., Got me out of bed, put my jeans on. I don't know what's going on. I was hauling ceiling goods when I was 12 in my grandpa's truck. I said, Grandpa, what are you doing? All boys start working when they're 12. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, but my friends are playing baseball. No, but you work. Oh, that's just the European way. Well, there's something to be said for it, but never mind. Okay. <clears throat> I still want to, I want to end this meeting being friends, so I'm going to continue on here. <laughs> we suffer the delusion that the, if we just get the right leader, the right system will produce the good society. Lose that delusion, friends. It's a delusion. It's not going to happen this side of resurrection morning. Does that help you? I hope it helps you. Because there is no panacea before resurrection morning. We still live in a fallen state until God destroys all of his enemies. Okay. Image bearers are still rulers on God's behalf, but we're lousy rulers because of sin. No longer perfect. So don't expect perfection in human history. No longer blessed, able to rule with God's power. The grace provision is cut off. No longer serve God's interest, only our own human interests. We can't govern the world with justice and righteousness. So we need to lower our expectations. One theologian that I appreciate, his name is Sigurd Grindham. Apparently, when you have a funnier name, you're a better theologian. That's what I've learned. He says this, God is still king, but human rebellion causes dissonance in all creation. And he's right. So before you start shaking a fist at God, you might need to look in the mirror. God needed, God had always planned for a perfect man to rule on his behalf, like him. That's the only way that God's rule will be exercised perfectly in the earth. 
uh, sort of like a second Adam. That's the genius of the incarnation. A man was born on Christmas morning who is God. And why do you think they brought him gifts? Because that's what you do at a baby shower? Why did they come from miles traveling to come see the babe? Why was Herod so threatened? Because he was born a king. And somehow everybody realized it. Whether it was intuitive or declared to them, they realized it. There's a new sheriff in town. He's coming for one reason. Jesus said it. John the Baptist said it about him. He's come here to be the king of the kingdom. That should be good news to all the earth. But if you're a king and you've got your little empire, that's bad news. Because now I have to obey him? Yeah, that's right. I've got to submit to him? Yeah, that's right. Well, I'm not going to do it. Now you've got the picture of what's happening in all the earth. The first order as God's perfect king was to destroy sin and Satan to restore God's world to paradise. You had to get rid of the enemy. All kings deal with their enemies when they come into office. And Jesus was no different. But the, the enemy wasn't Rome. The enemy wasn't the Pharisees. The Hebrews wanted it to be them. But it was sin and Satan. He went for big game. And the cross dealt the king's death blow to God's enemies. The resurrection was the beginning of the new creation order. The ascension, all authority in the universe of God's creation restored to human who is God. Ready for this now? The sending of the spirit. That mere human beings who came from sin would be joined to Prince Messiah to rule with him. In the same resurrection power. What? Are you talking about me? Yeah, yeah. You go through that tank. You get filled with the spirit. That's who you are now. You're not just a janitor slug making minimum wage. You've been created for this. But if you don't exercise it. If you don't claim it. If you don't walk in it. Then you'll just be a mere human being like everybody else. The ascension established the kingdom of God once and for all. But the sending of the Spirit, that's the sealer. He turned us all into obeyers. No longer did we shake the fist, we lifted our hands. No longer did we play the victim role. It's this, it's the system. Everything's happening to me. And we said, I'm going to take dominion over it. Because we realized that this kingdom Power was not going to come about by political means or economic means. It was going to come about by the power of the Holy Spirit, which is in you. Oh, I can't wait for the Spirit to come down on America and make it all happen. No, no, stop counting on everybody else. This message is about you and me. The Spirit's invested in humans, not in a room. Oh, if God would just fill the room with his glory, he has. Look at Phil there. That's God's glory filling the room. Remember, we used to sing that song, New Covenant, years ago. I can see in you the glory of my king. Have we forgotten? Don't we remember? When we come to the table, we should rehearse this every time. This is me. 
And what did this king do for us? He justified us by faith, forgiving our sins, imputing Christ's righteousness to us, putting God's spirit in us. What more do you want? He's given you everything pertaining to life and godliness. So you can slither through life with your shoulders bumped forward, shuffling your feet. That's not what how God redeemed you. The resurrection power lives inside of you for you to loose into the earth. Oh, I, I, want another res, I want another Pentecost. Turn up the music. Let's have another Pentecost. Pentecost has come. It was a one-off event. Now we go. Not to church, but into the world. We go. Full of God's vivid vinegar. To do what? Advance his kingdom effort. We become Messiah's joint heirs, joined to him to rule on God's behalf for his glory, the earth he's given to the sons of men. Are you tracking with me still? We're coming friends again? Oh, thank God. Let's run through our Bibles real quick. Ready? Book of Acts. King Jesus' co-heirs destroying Satan's devices and establishing the rule of the kingdom of God. The epistles, training your brain to reign. The book of Revelation, all enemies of God destroyed, kingdom consummated, paradise restored, heaven on earth. That's where we're headed. So don't give all your energies to political systems. Give it to the kingdom because it's actually going to produce what your heart is yearning for. That righteousness and justice will roll down like a river from God's throne through you. So where do we begin? Where do we start? Now I've got you all riled up, and could you please calm down a little bit? You're too excited. Just calm down. Where do we begin? How do I start? I'm hearing you, Steve. What do I do? Where do I start? Do we conduct mass protests? Do we change political structures? Do we change laws? Do we storm the castle? Some of us are getting too old to storm the castle. Besides Frankenstein might be there. I've got that in the back of my mind. I'm not sure. Okay, kill the monster. Proverbs 16.32 says this. Now, I know this verse really well, okay? Because when I was being discipled by Bryn, Arthur Wallace, and different ones, this verse, they would always press me on. I have a tattoo, but it's in my brain. It's not on my skin. It says this. Also, I'll put it in a personal way. They say, Steve, you need to rule your spirit because he who rules his spirit is better than he who takes a city. God is more pleased with someone who exercised the kingdom to themselves first than he is changing political structures and going out there and challenging everybody. Where do you begin? I'm not saying we stop there, but you gotta begin somewhere. You gotta start. And this is where we should all listen to Michael Jackson's song about the man in the mirror. He actually had it right. Take a look at the man in the mirror. Bring kingdom rule to yourself as a beginning of extending God's kingdom. And then when you're faithful in that, to him who has, much more will be given. Your influence will grow. Mm -hmm. 
But you're not a good ambassador for the kingdom if you still have anger, you haven't ruled. You still have desires and wishes and selfishness that propels your life forward instead of the interest of the kingdom. So here's what we do to conclude. Ready? By God's grace, that's how we start each one because I'm not asking you to use human effort here. You can't do it. It's only by God's grace. And so ask God to grant you the grace, number one, to rule your worldview. What do I mean by that? Your outlook, how you view things. Don't allow earthly things to determine your seeing and thinking. Think kingdom as a priority, not earth. That's Colossians 3. Set your mind on the things of the Spirit. It doesn't mean, ah, live in the meeting all week. It means think of the kingdom. Am I demonstrating the kingdom? Does that represent the kingdom? Am I, am I speaking like a kingdom person? Am I seeing the world situation as it is, and I'm looking for every means humanly possible to change it, but I don't remember the kingdom? Do you see? I wrote here, don't let Babylon determine how you view things. Think kingdom, which is a synonym for thinking biblically. That's why we say read your Bibles. Not that God won't kill you today, or that you can argue with your Jehovah Witness friend, but you read your Bible to think kingdom, to think like God, to think like the citizen that you are. I always like to use a reference here, here. Uh, and this dates me, and now I tell people, you can see everybody from 16 on down going, what's he talking about? But what was Simba's power in the, in the Lion King? He forgot who he was. And we needed some new age constellation to tell him who he was. But he didn't change, he didn't become something different. He started to walk in what he really was. And he brought Mufasa's kingdom back from Scar. Rent the movie, it's still pretty good. Okay, so be careful what you read, watch, and listen, because it's shaping your worldview. All this by God's grace. Number two, by God's grace. Number two, by God's grace. Rule your attitude. Rule your attitude. Oh, come on. I thought you were going to take us to the ends of the earth. I am. This is how you get there. You got to rule this nation first. Rule your attitude. Have a kingdom attitude always. Now, when we were training our children with memory verses and everything, uh, Molly and I would cook up either acronyms or a funny little sentence to help them remember things. So here's the one for attitude that we have. Ready? Could God pick huge strawberries? Are we supposed to answer that? Or what are we, what's he asking that for? That's an, the letter C-G-P-H-S makes up your attitude. You ready? C, cheerful. That means don't grumble. G, grateful. Don't complain. P, positive, don't be critical. Yeah, I grew up, my mom was a South St. Louis, Louis German person, Irish, worst kind. And I would surprise her by cleaning my room on a Saturday morning. And I'd go get her and say, Mom, I cleaned my room, which was an extraordinary event. <laughs> and she, I said, come see, and she would come in. And she would glance like this and she said, well, those comic books aren't stacked. 
well, I see some clothes underneath your bed. And all she would say to me was the things that weren't happening. And I was constantly deflated. Is that how you are? Do you always just nitpick at what didn't happen, what's not there? And you say, oh, praise God, you took the effort to clean the room. Hey, I'll tell you what, I'll help you get those comic books and we'll really make it a finished product or something of that nature. That's thinking like the kingdom. That's how God thinks about you. When God hears your name uttered from him, he doesn't think of the lie you told, the, you know, the uh, false things you've done or sins that you, he thinks, that's my boy. I redeemed him. He belongs to me. And his first, his first thoughts about you. Now, he may correct us and discipline us. That's okay. But he'll never condemn us. And so be like God. Positive. H is humble. What's the sentence again? Some got it. Could God pick huge strawberries? H is humble. Don't be arrogant. Like you have all the answers. None of us have all the answers. We're doing our best to follow the king. And if we can help each other along the way, great. And the last one is serving. Don't be self-centered. I, I made it a practice to practice these things on serving is... Uh, Nobody returns their carts into the corral at Deerberg's or wherever you are. They just leave it laying or rolling or fill a parking space or whatever it might be. They put it right in front of the pole so your car sticks out a lot. I hate that one. So I've, I made it a practice to return carts to the stalls. Or if I see someone loading a trunk like at Walmart or something, I'll go up to them and say, uh, you know, several paces behind so they don't get freaked out and say, I'll take your cart for you. Say, what's wrong with you? I'm doing it for me. I'm practicing because I just want to walk in the store and get my business done. Everybody okay? It's something to think about. Train your kids that way. Oh, the janitor will pick all those things up. Oh, the elders will stay after the meeting and pick up all the flyers and all the empty cups. Oh, really? Where's the serving attitude that I'm just going to do what it takes to bring the kingdom of God? I'll tell on the kids, we used to pick up trash in the parking lot, wrapper here, a can here, and we walk in the store and we put it in the trash can, and then one of them had to proclaim, the kingdom of God has come to the Walmart parking lot. <laughs> so you train them to constantly think about the kingdom and think about serving. Number three, by God's grace, rule your everyday environment. Rule. Why does God have you in that office? Why does God have you as that student? Why does God have you in that business? So you can start beginning to learn how to exercise to rule nations one day. Rule your environment. Talk openly and freely about Jesus. There's a start. He's the king. We always talk about the people we love the most. We love Jesus the most, so just talk about him. Is that evangelism? I don't know. Just talk about Jesus. Do you know Jesus? I always ask people, what's your relationship like with Jesus? That throws them. What? I'm supposed to have a relationship? I thought you just wanted to say, do I believe in him? Ah, we're way past that. What's your relationship like with him? Okay, i got some tracks here right now, so let's respond real quick to that. If you're going to talk to somebody about Jesus, come get a track out of my hand right now. Come on. I'll do it. I'll say something to somebody about Jesus today. Don, you can just help me.
There we go. Open thy mouth. Well, I'm just going to show him what a Christian is like. Well, tell him too. The proclamation, God uses words. How else do you rule your environment? Say encouraging things. I, you know, I'll use the grocery stores because I'm in them all the time. You got a trainee fumbling at the thing, you know. Now it's just boop, boop. But when they used to fumble at the thing, you know, and everybody grousing, oh my gosh, why did I pick this line? Come on, honey. You can, you know, and there's a rule your environment. Say, hold on, she's doing the best she can. You take your time, dear. We've got all the time in the world. Nobody has ever stopped me. <laughs> Nobody has ever said, who do you think you are? Never. I'll go up to screaming children in shopping carts. Is there a problem? Can I help you? I say, honey, don't, you don't need to scream in the car. It's okay, mommy will get to you in a minute. And sometimes God blesses me and does something to the child. And the mother's, wait a minute, who are you? <laughs> Smile. Just walk around smiling. People freak out. <laughs> Smile at the guy across the thing from you. Oh, <laughs> Try this in England, you'll probably get knifed in the throat. <laughs> People in England, hey, how are you? I used to love to do that. <laughs> Walk faster than everyone else. Don't shuffle. Walk faster than everybody else. Erect. Use people's names. They love it. Jane, you're doing a great job. Uh, how much was that corner of the cob again? And they want to talk. You, you know me? <laughs> I just read your tag. But people love hearing their names. Hold doors open, return shopping carts, pick up litter, make children laugh. Whenever I see children, I make faces at them. Across the way, it doesn't matter, even at church. It's just fun. And children are innocent, and they're not conditioned like we are yet, that you can't do that. You can smile at me, it's okay. I'm just kidding. It doesn't matter. Just do something with the children, they love it. All right, by God's grace, rule your worldview, rule your attitude, rule your everyday environment. Then you'll be bringing the kingdom. The songs are glossy and we're going to take over the nations. That's all great. But walk in the reality of it every day. This is your first step toward ruling in the earth as a fellow heir of all things with Jesus Christ. And that's why we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. Say, through me. Say it again, louder. Through me. On earth, through me, as it is in heaven. Let's all stand together.